started writing Food for the Archons as a book of despair after watching my father die in 2013. During his transition, I experienced a series of paranormal and psychic events that left me feeling that I had either gone completely crazy or fell into humanity's darkest secret. I spent the next five years conducting extensive research, and I quickly learned that what I had experienced was real. My journey brought me to an understanding that showed me that despite the terrifying reality of an unseen predator, we as humans have a forgotten power. Just knowing this brings us tremendous hope in what once seemed a dark reality. I wrote this book for me in hopes of gaining a better understanding of our reality and relationship to it, but my hope is that you will find as much value in reading it as I did in writing it. I am human, food for the Archons, humanity's psychic connections, simulated realities, parallel worlds, and the manipulation of mankind. It's available on Amazon.com and at SixthSenseMedia.net and wherever books are sold. I'm Dennis Nappy II, reminding you to let your intuition be your guide. Thank you. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. I'm having one of those moments where I don't know if I've completely lost my mind or if I'm actually on to something. Hello, Truth Seekers. Dennis Nappy II. It's been uh, quite some time since I've been able to connect with all of you. i just finishing up a project here, and I'm going to go do a little bit more of a deeper dive into it, uh, tied into the Roswell crash of 1947. I had an opportunity. Uh, I'm working with a group of remote viewers. We call ourselves the Hellfire Remote Viewing Group. And uh, I had an opportunity to act in the capacity of a tasker to put a project together and assign it out to our team of remote viewers to take a look at part of the Roswell project. And I'm going to share that with all of you. And uh, what I've been going through in my analysis of their data and then of everything else that I'm seeing as a connection to this target and to this project um, I've gone pretty far down the rabbit hole. In essence, you know, my um, idea or hypothesis in the tasking was to see if there was a connection between the Roswell crash, specifically the silicon chips, which were, according to Colonel Corso, turned into the integrated circuit between that technology and advancements in mind control today and the ultimate merging of the human mind with AI. And I wanted to see if there was a purpose behind that, connecting it to an ET or some advanced AI that was external from our current civilization. So are we looking at a takeover is what I was looking at. I'm going to go through my tasking document on this. I have the full video uh, up on YouTube and it's at sixcentsmedia.net. You can find it there as well. All the data that I'm compiling on this project and everything I'm doing to support this project. Um, but it was a, a fascinating target, um, you know, putting out there up front for those of you that are familiar with remote viewing, um, I, I want you to be mindful of, 
um, you know, my tasking bias, what my expectation was, even though I try to clear all expectations out and just accept for all data, I have a certain worldview uh, as I'm tasking this target. So um, I disclose that. I put it on the tasking document as well. You can take a look at that. I'll have, I'll have all the data available for you to review as well at sixcentsmedia.net. Um, you know, but the question I asked myself was, was there telepathic overlay? Were my viewers tapping into my idea of what this data might sense might become, or are they picking up actual events? Um, you know, I'll let you decide as we go through the data, let me know what your thoughts are on this, but I'm certainly open to that constructive criticism here, um, as a tasking. So the, the viewers who worked this target, they all worked at blind, meaning they were only given the target ID number. They didn't know anything other than what the target tasking ID was on this project. Um, I'm going to go through the tasking document. I'm going to talk about the data, and I'm going to tie in some current events that I think are possible feedback to this project um, so, so we can you know, look at, are they picking up actual things, and, and where is this going? Uh, I'm, I'm reading a book right now called Walking Among Us, um, about the hybrid program by Dr. Jacobs. Um, and and I, I want to compare some of my data and some of my thoughts on, are we looking at the hybrid program as a connection to the Roswell crash? Um, and, you know, is that really where society is going? Because these hybrids, they say, are, are gearing up to kind of take our place here on the planet. There you go. I said it. Rabbit hole stuff here, my friends. Um, but I'm going to back up every line of thought that I have with some data and, and some evidence. So uh, here we go. Let's get into it. So here's my tasking document. Roswell Silicon Chips, their purpose, origin, and impact. So the initial tasking. Viewer will describe the purpose and function of the silicon chips recovered from the Roswell crash, as reported by Colonel Philip J. Corso in his book, The Day After Roswell. And then I had some subtasks here. After they'd work a session, I'd be able to reassign them and other things that I wanted them to explore with that. Viewer will identify the intelligence behind the creation of the silicon chips found at the Roswell crash. Note, viewer is to focus on the original chips recovered, not any reproductions that may have been made. Okay, so I want them to see who made the chips. Number two, viewer will describe the impacts this technology will have on human society. So what will happen to our society as a result of these chips being put out there? And number three, viewer will describe the impacts this technology will have on human consciousness and physiology. How is this going to affect our bodies and our, and our minds, really? I disclose my tasking bias here. I believe the chips were seeded here by an advanced intelligence connected to AI with the intention of acting as a Trojan horse to push human evolution in a particular direction to allow the merging of consciousness with AI. So I'm, I am looking at, um, you, you know, a, a, a line of thinking here that shows, hey, these this crash happened intentionally. They wanted us to pick up these um, chips and back engineer them and eventually build our own doomsday device that's then going to be merged with our own minds and our own consciousness. Now, I'm going to show you as well through some credible sources here that that merging is already happening. Does that mean it's ET derived? No. But does that make sense as a possibility? I'd say absolutely. All right, let's give a little bit of background on this project here. In 1997, Colonel Philip J. Corso released his book, The Day After Roswell. In his book, he claims to have worked for the Pentagon with the task of taking recovered debris from the Roswell crash and covertly sending them to labs to be reverse engineered. 
When looking at the tiny silicon chips or integrated circuits, Corso speculated on the following possibility, which can be found in chapter 12 of his book. And I quote, uh, it was as if from the year 1947 to 1980, a fundamental paradigm shift in the ability of humankind to process information took place. Computers themselves almost became something like a silicon-based life form, inspiring the carbon-based life forms on the planet Earth to develop them, grow them, and even help them reproduce. With computer-directed process control programs now in place in virtually all major industries, software that writes software, neural network-based expert systems that learn from their own experience in the real world, and current experiments underway to grow almost microscopically thin silicon-based chips in the weightless environment of Earth orbit may be the forerunner of a time when automated orbital factories routinely grow and harvest new silicon material for microprocessors more sophisticated than we can even imagine at the present. We are all, uh, were all of this to be true, could it not be argued that, a silic- that the silicon wafers we recovered from Roswell were the real masters and space travelers, travelers and the EBE creatures, their hosts or servants? Once implanted successfully on Earth, our culture having reached a point of readiness through its development of the first digital computers, would not the natural development stream starting from the innovation of the transistor have carried us to the point where we achieve a symbiotic relationship with the silicon material that carries our data and enable us to become more creative and successful. Maybe the Roswell crash, which helped us develop the mechanism for successfully implanting a completely, I'm sorry, maybe the Roswell crash, which helped us develop the technology basis for the weapon systems to protect our planet from EBEs, was also the mechanism for successfully implanting a completely alien non-humanoid life form that survives from host to host like a virus, a digital Ebola that we humans will carry to another mechanism into a culture. Then the implantation of the microchip-based circuit into our technology by the EBEs would be the perfect method. Was it implanted as sabotage or as something akin to the gift of fire? Maybe the Roswell crash in 1947 was an event waiting to happen like poison fruit dropping from the tree into a playground. Once bitten, the poison takes effect. Okay, so that's taken from Colonel Corso's book, The Day After Roswell, published in 1997. And what he's suggesting is that were these technological chips seeded here so they would merge with our own minds and bodies and then influence us to go out into the universe and continue to spread this tech, this virus, this this intelligence all throughout the universe. It's interesting, in Terrence, one of Terrence McKenna's works, he talks about the magic mushroom doing a similar thing using its spores to then integrate with human consciousness, learn, and then travel on. Um, Maybe that's an advanced form of technology. I don't know. But there seems to be a whole universe within the mushroom intelligence. But that's a, a topic for a different day. So in talking about this, I also want to mention here, he says here, um... Where were we at here? Was also the mechanism for successfully implanting a completely alien, non-humanoid life form that survives from host to host like a virus, a digital Ebola that we humans will carry to another planet someday. And and thinking about um, using them as hosts, I want to talk about what I wrote about in my book, I Am Human, Food for the Archons. And I did a, a lot of I, three or four examples in nature 
of mind control. How mind control is not science fiction, it's science fact, and it happens quite regularly here on the planet Earth. How susceptible our brains are to being controlled by a foreign intelligence. Sometimes that intelligence is simply an amoeba, as in toxoplasmosis, the amoeba found in cat feces or cat urine consumed by the rats that then changes the brain chemistry of a rat to then go out and be drawn to cat urine, get eaten by the cat, so then the amoeba can go back in the gut of the cat and restart its life cycle. You have wasps that that uh, inject a neurotoxin into a cockroach and lead them into a, a burrow and they eat it alive slowly with their larva. You have ants that are controlled by fungus that get to certain points, a high point where the fungus spore can burrow through the, the head of the ant and burst the spores out. Pill bugs, they have a parasite that infects them and causes them to get eaten by birds. So these things happen. Who's to say that this, quote, technology recovered at Roswell isn't a similar thing, a spore that we pick up and then we build our own mechanism by which to infect ourselves. Now, when we look at what's happening with technology in the world today, we are seeing the not only the exponential growth, but the merging of our tech. How many of you can go through an entire day, think about something without having to Google it to gather more information? 20 years ago, we used to think about something and we'd have to either go to a library, find a book, or we'd have to sit there and we would just think about it for a while ourselves and come up with ideas. We now have the ideas being given to us through just the quote research that we're doing before we really have time on our own to think independent from a, an electronic device, an artificial intelligence or a machine. So we are making that merge happen. I'm going to talk, I'm going to share a reference from a, uh, a neuroscientist and, and what's happening with the technology and where it's going. Uh, and I want to talk a little about some of my more philosophical and, and spiritual thoughts that I've been writing about as well with this. But let me, let me go over some of the data here first in this project. Now, again, the entire sessions are going to be made available for free. Uh, I just want to go through some of the data points that I have compiled over the last... Um, you know, a couple of days as I was as I've been reviewing this information. I also want to go over. Um, I want to address one debunk aspect here. Now, bear with me as I'm pulling it up here. But uh, in looking in doing my research for this target, so preparing to do research for this target, I know that the integrated circuit is credited with being. Uh, invented by an individual named Jack Kilby. Jack Kilby worked for a place called Texas Instruments. They ultimately end up becoming some kind of military designer as well. But he developed the integrated circuit. I have, I'll have some articles that I'll share in the notes um, for you to look at and to review. But in looking at, oh, here it is here. Jack Kilby. Let me step back for a second. Sorry, I'm getting all excited. In looking at this history, my concern was, well, are we just going to find out that Jack Kilby was the person who invented the integrated circuit and that completely debunks the testimony of what Colonel Philip J. Corso is saying? So the first problem is Jack Kilby is with a place called Texas Instruments. Now, Texas Instruments, as according to Corso's book, isn't mentioned at all anywhere within it. Corso talks about um, going to Bell Labs to seed this technology to create the transistor. So I did some digging, and it turns out there was an individual from Bell, from Bell Labs during the time that Corso alleges that he provided that 
the technology for the integrated circuit or the silicon chips to Bell Labs. At that time, this individual left Bell Labs and he went to Texas and worked at Texas Instruments, the place where Kirby, I'm sorry, Kilby, created the integrated circuit. So there is still a connection, a continuity connection. I will share the article with you um, in the show notes at sixcentsmedia.net for on this Roswell page I'm putting together, where you can see that the individual from Bell Labs, it's possible that the chips went from Corso to Bell Labs, and then with this individual and that knowledge to Texas Instruments to Kilby. So the continuity is still there for those that want to debunk and just say Kilby of Texas Instruments created it. No, I'd say, you know, obviously what I'm putting together is is conjecture, but it flows logically and it makes sense. So we can still make that connection there. All right. Let's talk about some of this data here. Okay, I'm going to go through this, some of the sessions here. Um, I'm not going to read line for line. I mean, there's 272 pages of data. So I'm scrolling through some of it. I highlighted a few things. I encourage you, if you're really interested in looking at this data uh, and getting a full review of it, go to check it out where it's posted on my website. Um, but the big thing right now, obviously, I'm just cherry picking data. There's some stuff in there um, that's noise or that may be related to a different aspect of this target. I'm just going to pull out some things that I found pretty interesting. Look at one of the first sessions here done by Anita, one of our viewers. Um, she looked at the impact on humanity. and she, she highlighted no more home, rural, ethnic, backward, abandoned, idea of body no longer home to the soul. And I think that's an important thing here. The body is no longer home to the soul. Um, you know, we don't even know what a soul is. We don't even know what we are. What is our soul? Is it consciousness? Is it something different? I'm reading a book right now called Emotional Intelligence, and it's basically showing how the the aspects of ourselves that we think are ourselves can be altered by damaging different aspects of your brain. Trauma has, changes our personality. Brain structures change. So really, what makes me me? What is my soul? What is my consciousness? I don't know. I don't know, but I think that's significant in looking at the idea of the body no longer being home to the soul. Now, exploring this idea by Dr. Jacobs um, in his book, Walking Among Us, and I'm not even done reading it yet, but what this book is talking about is this hybrid program where they're taking what they're alleging is ET DNA, and the ET's program is to then merge those um, ET traits with human traits and create basically a new species here. And this book is is uh, comprised of testimony from abductees that Jacobs has interviewed over the years, talking about their role in helping these ET, these hybrids, to integrate with human society. Uh, and, and what he goes into describing how he's teaching them, my thoughts on this, and I'll explain why when I'm done this this session here or this this portion. But it's it's like teaching something that has zero experience in physical reality in our world how to handle basic functions like putting on socks and eating lunch in a cafeteria and how to engage with other people. It's as if this intelligence, these hybrids, don't understand physical life with the way they're training them in these basic functions. And I, I wonder... Does that support the idea that what's happening is an AI that exists in cyberspace is gradually, through a process, creating a lineage of 
physical beings that will house uh, artificial intelligent minds that it can make the leap from cyberspace into our society. I know that's a big thing to state, but that's after these remote viewing sessions were done. That's kind of the rabbit hole I fell into and haven't been able to crawl out of yet. So let me get back to this data, though, talking about the impact on humanity from Anita's session. I left it off with the idea of the body no longer home to the soul. Forestry, ambience, solar controlled, vast expanded, universal travel idea. Maybe if you can travel anywhere in your mind connecting to the cloud or connecting to the, a server, then maybe you could travel anywhere with your consciousness. Okay, idea of price paid for advancement, and she lists robotic, emotional, emptied. Now, if you read about the grays, it's said that they don't have any emotion. AI doesn't really have emotion. Disconnected, mechanical, alive, techno-organic, solar, non-nation states, automatic governing, static, labor-slaved, crossword slaved out and replaced with programmed, labor-programmed, non-air-breathing, non-diseased, non-funded, idea of no monetary system. She has an aesthetic impact. This is huge, idea of global universal contact, God-leveraged, ET liquid transference, hot, dangerous, singular, headless. Okay, so that data right there, if we put the hybrid uh, idea to that, it would make sense if the hybrids are a form of AI that's merging with human consciousness and slowly integrating and maybe taking over our society. And I know this sounds deep off the deep end here. Uh, and, and the hybrid stuff, I want to stress, was not a part of my tasking. It was not a part of my thought process. It was something I came into afterwards and I thought maybe this is another piece to it. You decide. But I'm going to revisit that quite a bit. A little bit more about the impact on humanity. Demised idea of having to learn invisibility or being non-physical. Warp level, warp stream, uh, astrological beyond dimensional. ETs being teachers. And then she ended the session saying, this is getting strange. Okay. Um, so in looking at that session alone, I, I think we're, what we're seeing here as a result of this, according to the data... As a result of this technology, there's a drastic change to humanity that's that's in process right now. Okay, let's see what else I can uh, highlight here on this. So she had an idea of a small few taking advantage from a big circulation. Uh, feeling planetary dispersed. Now, this reminds me of Edward Reardon's remote viewing session, remote viewing QAnon. And in that session, which I'll have available for you to listen to, it's already up on the uh, the podcast site. Um, But on that session, it talks about a break. He talks about a breakaway society that's developing tech that they can disperse out that will have a, uh, a major impact on human consciousness. Okay. Um, idea of humanity going crazy. Again, these are just some of the highlights that I'm pulling out. She's an idea here of time travel. Now, in my interview with Phil Corso Jr., we did go and talk a little bit about time travel, and he, he indicated that was significant. That's the stuff he really can't talk about. Now, it has been speculated in some of these ET threads that these beings are from the future. Is it possible that this AI is from the future and is influencing or sending things back into the past or influencing things in the present 
to manipulate the present to change the future timeline. I know that sounds crazy. Maybe I've watched one too many TV shows, but they talk. That's the premise of the show. Uh, Travelers. If you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, but the show Travelers identifies exactly what I just said right there. Now, here's where I start to think I'm losing my mind a little bit because a lot of the the conclusions I'm coming to, the rudimentary conclusions I'm coming to, I can find a sci-fi theme for it somewhere out there right now. So am I just being heavily influenced by the themes I'm watching in the sci-fi realm or are these writers tapped into something and this is how they're sharing it? Or is there something else going on in terms of you know this matrix reality that we might live in where I'm creating my own reality and through some of the input I'm getting, I'm manifesting these things in my own subjective, selfish, egotistical mind adventure. I don't, I don't know. At this point, um, these are just questions that, that run through my head as I'm going crazy trying to uh, interpret all of these different things. Um, but she had the idea of time travel and she writes down incorporated into humans. Humanity is being ignorant here. Looking at the idea of a price paid for advancement. Okay. And this is stuff I talked about already. Robotic, emotional, all that stuff. Um, moving on to another session here. She writes here, oh, oh shit. Electronic viruses become human. Think about that for a second. Okay, if this is some kind of virus and it becomes human, again, are we talking about a possible hybrid scenario or something else? Okay, um, some people were kind of immune to this. It was this idea that some biologicals evolved to be able to process metals. I mean, if there's tech being put into us and we can process and absorb those metals, obviously the tech wouldn't work any longer. But she goes into talking about some of that in her data as well. Um, and how we adapt. Some of us have adapted. She mentions the idea of non-physical existence beyond the body plane. So is that, again, talking about an AI that's existing out in cyberspace? Quite possibly. Okay, again, another note here. Emulated to favor another species. Agreed. Government crossed out. National. Small. Grouped. So if it's emulated to favor another species. And again, they're looking at the tech that came out of the Roswell crash. Is it simulating humanity? Is it simulating the AI? Is it simulating the hybrid? Is it something else? I don't know. But this is the data that she's coming back with in her session here. Okay, and this thread of data I think is relevant as well. Idea of language or patterns moving beyond visibility. AI bliss. Distortment, mathematical word, emotional crossed out, energetic. Spaces between vibrations. The 99% we not observe as humans, that being our heritage or an idea. And she goes on and says the idea of preparation for, quote, evolutionary, end quote, future, meaning continuity rather than time or emergence. Okay, so are we being evolved? I, I believe that's what's happening to us is that we're going through a forced evolution for whatever purpose. And what's curious about this is that for me personally, in, in this journey, and I recognize that I'm very close to this thought here, this is why I'm recording this podcast separate from just the raw data discussion, because these are my thoughts and my reaction to this project here. Um, but I, I've been a part of several remote viewing projects over the last six months or so, where we're looking at the theme of um, a higher intelligence 
interfering with the native species here on the planet using some kind of technology and some referred to as spirit technology to alter our futures, to influence us to do things, to in some cases to enslave us or keep us in a state of ignorance, which as you know ties into my work looking at the, the Gnostic texts looking at, you know, food for the archons, that there's an intelligence, an unseen intelligence that is influencing uh, our bodies and our thoughts and, and manipulating our behaviors. So is that what we're um, experiencing right now when we look at some of this data? Does it confirm that or were the viewers tapping into my overactive imagination? Uh, you know, maybe or maybe a combination uh, of this as well. Uh, I have some thoughts here in regards to that. Now, we're talking about artificial intelligence. We're creating these AIs right now. We're merging the, this hardware with our minds. So I'll share a little bit about that in a few minutes here. Um, you know, but I, I think back to um, the works of Carlos Castaneda. Castaneda, his book, The Active Side of Infinity, which is where he talks about the flyers. And what Don Juan Mattis, who was a Mexican shaman, was explaining to Carlos Castaneda as he's basically describing the archons. He calls them the flyers or these giant blobs. And he talks about how they they raise us in what he called humaneros or human coops, the akin to a chicken coop. He says, we're being raised uh, on a farm here so these things can consume our energy. And they control our thoughts and our actions to get us to elicit a certain kind of energy. And how did they do that? And what Castaneda explained that I didn't understand until I completed this project, he said, we gave them our minds or they gave us their minds. They put an aspect of their mind into the human brain. Now, that's curious because what are we doing with AI? We are giving them aspects of our minds. Machine learning is learning how to think like a human. Is that what is happening here? Is the cycle repeating itself? And are we, again, if or if they're giving us their mind, is this ET technology giving us the AI's mind to then take over our own mind and control us? Now, we worked a project called the Gene, it was a Gene Roddenberry project. Gene Roddenberry is the founder of Star Trek. And the idea was, what was the inspiration for Gene Roddenberry to create the series Star Trek? And we didn't get like he saw, uh, I read a book one time or he saw, what we got was a higher intelligence using energy to seed ideas into his mind. So I wonder, I come back to my, I've watched one too many science fiction movies. Is there an intelligence out there for good, bad, or indifferent, that is sending a signal out to some creative type of minds or to the creative minds tap into a signal that's just omnipresent that has these storylines out there, these themes, these ideas, these evolutionary understanding concepts that we're then tapping into. Now, again, this was what remote viewing data brought back was that this is what happened with Gene Roddenberry. So is this what's happening with other creative types that are out there, that these ideas are being put out there? Now, are these ideas true? Or are they just works of science fiction? Well, the curious thing is a lot of these ideas that seem like science fiction eventually manifest in our 
present timeline, our present reality. Now, is that because this thing is from the future? This thing has a glimpse of the future? Is it possible that we are already some kind of hive mind creative device and we are unaware of our creative power? So what this machine does is it sends the ideas out into the collective unconscious. The idea then gets brought forth to the collective consciousness of humanity. And then we create and manifest that based on those ideas that were seeded to one and dispersed to all of us. Does that make sense? So in essence, the higher intelligence is creating a reality by manipulating our thoughts to manifest the reality that it wants to see. And I want to talk at the end of this show as do we have the power um, you know, or the option to move in a dystopian versus a utopian fashion because we see a lot of dystopia. And I'm trying to get away, I try, I'm trying very hard to get away from the dystopian stuff. Talking about this subject can be very dystopian. And there is bad stuff that's going on, but I don't want us to be consumed with all of the scary, scary stuff. At the end of the day, if this information is true, what we have is an advanced intelligence that is seeded with us or gifted us with an advanced technology. Now, we have the option to take that if this is true, if this data is correct, we have the option to receive that data and say, oh my gosh, we're being controlled. Or we have the power to look at this situation and say, how can we use this to better ourselves? There are different outcomes depending on our perspective. Are we going to be a victim or are we going to be a victor in this situation if it's true? Or are we just being entertained by the musings of my insanity as I try to find a way to understand the world around me? All right. I want to look at some other thoughts I had here. Um, on this topic here. Let's get back to some of the remote viewing data from these sessions, however. Uh, in another session, Coral writes, uh, ultimately this target event of destruction may serve as some kind uh, some kind lesson for humanity that has already or will inform another attempt at creating or rebuilding something. This may require active participation in acknowledging our ability to create the future. Does that tie into what I just said? I didn't plan for the two things to be tied in at the same time, but I wonder, or again, are we talking about creating some kind of hybrid or some other species or upgrading the minds here? Okay, lots of curious data here. And again, I'm skipping pages and pages in between here. Um, let's see here. <clears throat> AI, she, she started, she, during this, she was starting to have a headache during the session, starting to have a headache and feel queasy. I don't like this target anymore. And it was right when I was listening to the book Walking Among Us, as I was reviewing this data, session was already done. I listened to this, this book, you know, weeks later, um, where they talk about how sometimes the abductees don't cooperate and the security element that's there that they describe can then do things like induce headaches in the minds of the abductees who are refusing to cooperate and teach these hybrids the skill set that they're there to learn for that particular day. So I think that's curious that one of the viewers was experiencing a headache during this session when and these beings have the ability, according to these abductees, to induce things like fear, anxiety, and headaches. So are they guarding this technology and as our viewers are going in and taking a peek, they're putting these things out there to try to keep people away from seeing it. Now, it sounds crazy, but if we're dealing with something like a simple Wi-Fi signal back and forth that they have more control over and our minds are tapped into that Wi-Fi, well, maybe that, in fact, is what we're seeing here. Okay. 
She akin this to something like the Empire would build in Star Wars. All right, I'm going to take a look at Darby's session right now, and here's what's curious is how this uh, mirrors and, and corroborates what Daz brought back too. But uh, part of what Darby wrote was, this target's relationship with humanity could be characterized as harvesters, manipulators, and conquerors, and they are intending a new day chapter creation beginning for humanity akin to walking through a door to a new planet. They seek to colonize and require obedience. The target is from the stars and could be described as conquerors, elite, although they might purport to be peaceful elder brothers that are here to teach, there might be something artificial or robotic concerning the target. The target may view humanity as raw materials for a new creation. Okay, right there, I think, drop the mic. That's exactly what I've been saying here. Again, I want to come back to this. The four out of the six viewers reported having some kind of difficulty or possible interference during the workings of this target. Once they were done their sessions, I've been having some, I'll say challenges, I'll say obsessive thoughts that in typical work that I've done as a writer, it's what inspires my books. I suspect I, t I get some kind of, here's the challenge, when talking with remote viewing, uh, subjective psychic data isn't as credible and reliable. And I recognize that. So to my critics, please be kind. But I have been experiencing what I would say is some kind of psychic connection to information. Now, whether that information is credible, I don't know, but that information flows in a logical sequence to me. And I've been getting that. It wasn't until after these sessions were submitted and the team had debriefed that I then came across the book Walking Among Us. So I haven't even seen the hybrid stuff and had those thoughts until after these sessions were submitted. That's, that's my personal testimony. I can't really prove it. I'm not trying to, but that's where I'm at with that. But that had nothing to do with my tasking. Now, the harvesters aspect is a theme I explore heavily in Food for the Archons. It's a theme that, that Daz picked up on in his session as well when we were looking at his data. So is this, in fact, what's going on? Are we being harvested? Is this the next, uh, the next step here in, this, in human evolution? Are we being set up to be e more easily harvested. I've, I've mentioned this fact multiple times, the connection to um, Robert Monroe's work in how he talked about the gardeners. He referred to them as, as the gardener and harvesting louche from us, which was ultimately derived from loneliness and fear and sadness. And that was the energetic output that these creatures required from us. And they grew us and they bred us to create these negative feelings and emotions. But in the end, he describes a reality. He went to the future. And again, this isn't even remote viewing data. This is, again, subjective, um, subjective out-of-body experience state data. Take it for what it's worth, but it fits what I'm talking about here. He was in the future, and he was able to enter other bodies at will for the purpose of having an experience and creating louche. 
the consciousness of humanity had evolved to the point where they didn't need to be in the physical state all the time. So instead, he went and he experienced a human body. He experienced animal life and the fear associated with like a fish trying to get eaten by another fish. And that, I guess, produced Louche, which looks at are we in some kind of matrix or virtual reality? And again, I go into all this in the book and I'm getting a lot of, lot of plugs here, but I think the book is an important foundation for processing some of this information, how these mechanisms are in fact possible. Okay, um, but Darby had some ideas here of dystopia here, massive control, horrible, hellish is what he was writing about. And again, maybe he's tapping into my own imagination here, but he has like a post Noah flood scenario on the earth, microchips tagged and bagged, the discarded. Okay. He was having some challenges to it as well. In looking at Naeem's session, Naeem did an awesome job uh, in going through. I'm going to summarize his work here. Um, he went through and he had definite contact with the crash itself. And his data was very heavy on, he kept writing finders keepers. And he described elements of the crash and the environment in which it was in. It looked like he described fiber optics. And he definitely hit on night vision goggles. All things that Corso claimed came out of this. And then he gets into talking about the future aspects of this technology is some kind of night vision works. Uh, not, I'm sorry, not night vision. Some kind of new energy, green energy. I think he had the word nuclear in here as well. Um, you know, is that akin to loose energy or is it something else? I know I'm making I know I'm making a loose connection there, but I'm really just asking the question. If you go through this data, can we can we connect Naeem's data to something like loose coming out of it? I'm not sure. Um, he says the technology feels like it was recovered, refurbished, revised and put into use. It feels secretive. And according to Corso, that's exactly what happened. Now, what's amazing about this, again, is all viewers were completely blind to this target. All they knew is that uh, the, the target ID number, which was an eight digit number. OK, um, so I thought that was very interesting that Naeem was pulling that up. But he had some some great uh, data coming through, you know, heavy on scientific technology, futuristic, uh, and then that fuel is, you know, green type of, uh, tech as well that he was, that he was queuing on and picking up on. So in looking at Daz's session, Daz did two sessions for this one here, and he queued in on uh, a life, a male, energetic, anticipation, surprise, willingness, acceptance, and it was energy in motion. He draws this picture here, and it says there feels, this feels like an encompassive, I'm sorry, uh, encompassing energy. It feels sentient, alive, and consciousness, a living form in energy. It interacts. My question is, could this be some kind of an AI? He says, this feels like a spiritual awakening. That wasn't my question during the session. That's just my question after looking at his data. Back to his session, this feels like a spiritual awakening for a human life, a connection with an energy and like that, and life that is non-physical. In this process, there feels like a flow of love, ideas, and communication, but non-verbally, through more subtle means. This feels like an effervescent energy, like light, but more than this. Now, again, is this that signal line that we're talking about? Or is this telepathic communication that they report between the ETs, the hybrids, and the abductees? Um, 
Or is this the implant of a, a microchip that's put into somebody's brain? Let's go on with that as a session. This feels like an instigated, initiated, I'm sorry, an instigated communication. The human life has questions or a question. Looking for answers and knowledge. This feels like the start of a phase of a lower dialogue, like a non-physical handshake or an introduction. Lifetime course of action initiated, almost like a helping hand or nudge from a higher being. There's a strong feel of love, respect, and helping with all of this. A message and actions, a message and actions that will flow down generations, a long-term plan. And he has an image of some kind of complex spiderweb type communicating through time. There's the theme of time again. Okay, so this feels physical, location-based maybe. Feels like the life is touching or holding something. A triggered event here is an AOL. Feels like a meeting or separate components that triggers the event. Time, location, state of mind. This initiates the esoteric event. Could this be recovering the technology from the Roswell crash? Maybe somebody communicated with one of the beings. Maybe somebody used that technology and integrated it with their minds. I don't know. It almost feels like I'm not meant to understand the meaning behind all this. It's larger than my want. I get a very, very strong feel that the mental state uh, of the human male is the catalyst that allowed this event to manifest, like a permission. Time, location, state of mind equals event. It's like all that allowed an opening to manifest, a slither of dimensionality or a door. We are... We are involved in the decision-making process of, uh, we are more involved in the decision-making process of this than we know. We drive it. It's about us, our genesis, our journey. They are helping. So that comes back to what I was just saying a few minutes ago. Are we choosing the dystopian reality or are we choosing the utopian reality or something in between? Maybe we're not just being manipulated. Maybe we're being forced into an evolutionary state. And if we're going to succumb to fear, then the reality we manifest is going to continue on the path that we seem to be on right now, which is not a pretty one. Acceptance and timing are key. Okay, so this feels like an alignment of subtle things and allows an event like this to progress. Man, this feels like the story of, of this project for me. Okay, so a process much over time, a progression, an understanding, a communication, a realization, an eventual linking. Okay, linking. Is that through tech? It's a past event, a use of right person, time, place to create the situation, a spiritual journey for all involved, a first step or a handshake. That was Daz's first session. I'm going to share his second session as well. Okay. Okay, he has life, energy, eons, power, adaption. Uh, okay, this feels like both a physical, genetic, and spiritual manipulation. Subtle manipulation, bloodlines, DNA, genes. This feels like a transformed physical, non-physical operation. Can't have one without the other. Adding and taking stuff away. And he has the sketch here. It looks like DNA, X, and Y chromosomes. This feels very subtle, a slow process over over several generations. Now, when you listen to the the description in Walking Among Us by Dr. Jacobson of these hybrids, they talk about the hybrids going through several generations of process to gradually get to the point where they can integrate in our society, merging our two species. Is that what's happening? Is that what Daz is queuing on? Or again, am I stretching here uh, for that one? I'm not sure. 
This feels part medical, part scientific. The good part feels spirit. I'm sorry. The second part feels spiritual, is what Daz reports. Now, again, uh, medical and scientific. You look at abduction rec- accounts. They're dealing with the medical aspect of people. A lot of reports of taking sperm or ova from from men and women, implanting babies in the uterus, and then extracting them. Medical and then scientific. You know, the study and the research. So again, am I stretching here? I I, I don't know. Daz asked, to what end? Growth, communion, joining, communion, also being the title of Whitley Strieber's groundbreaking book, Communion, about his abduction accounts. This feels like life being tended to, watched, encouraged, grown, an experiment, or a garden. Again, ties into Bob Monroe's stuff that I talked about, almost, and Carlos Castaneda's stuff, okay? Integration, place, standing, acceptance, okay? Looking at communion, what's he have? Them, non-human, growers, uh, kinship, closeness, abductions as an AOL, together, face-to-face, accepting, a brotherhood, placement, order, universe, the plan. Okay, so that's what Daz means by communion. Who are the growers? He looks at the growers here. You're not as high as you think you are. Uh, always someone higher. That's the growers above us. Then we have a project, experiment, or a plan, the seeding, and then we have us, and then after us, he has three hours, three arrows coming out into the universe. So again, are they seeding us with ideas for us to then go out and create in this universe? Looking at Daz's data. Okay, soft. He's describing the higher being. Soft, kind, thoughtful, caring, slow moving, exact movements, grateful, deliberate, thin, tall, old, pale skin, can be physical and non-physical. And he asks, artificially done. Does that mean we're dealing with an AI? That's my question. Are we dealing with an AI? He wrote artificially done. All right. He says, when I try to feel the being, I feel as though it's trying to be kind, trying to explain, but only within I can what I can understand, like how we talk to children feel. It does feel sympathetic, but we are not equal. Pet-like feel, love and respect, but we're definitely not equal. Maybe one day, far from now. Mixing, testing, seeds. Daz writes an AOL of hybrids. They are very psychic, telepathic, connected. They feel hardwired into the universe. Their brains and minds are more capable of more bandwidth, more con- uh, more connections, uh, and I can't read that last word, more current or low current. Been mistaken for angels and guardians, farmers and gardeners. We are the crop. You know, I went through this data when I debriefed as, but now that I'm reading it again, the thread that I have been pulled into with understanding hybrids and the way that has been driven into me since this project through my own intuitive steps that I've been going through. Uh, it is really hitting me hard right now um, as I'm looking at this. It's like I had these ideas in my head. I can't get them out. And I had to come into different levels of information in different formats. Some of it, the works of fiction, some of it research, some of it science to put this whole thing together. And I haven't been able to sit down and do this podcast until I went through all of these steps. I guess I learned what I was supposed to learn to feel like I'm done with this project. And it's amazing as I'm going, as I'm going through this and I'm the tasker, I shouldn't be involved like this. Um, But this is what, what's happening here. So then continuing with Daz, what is this journey? An explosion of consciousness, expansions has to be in stages, generational, too fast. And it all breaks 
We're currently on the cusp of knowing. Knowing what? We're more, Daz says. More than what, he asks. Our physical bodies, our limitations. We are a product being refined. Each stage a step closer than before. Whoa. Hang on. He says, what is this connectedness? He said, the core. It feels like our minds, brains, uh, sources are the key, souls are the key, just not switched on yet. Connectedness is the key. Is it connectedness or consciousness? C O N N E C. Looks like connectedness is the key. Connected to all things. Think about the Internet of Things. Think about the integrated circuit or some kind of technology being put in your brain and connecting us to everything that's connected to the Internet of Things, that's connected to the AI. Everything is connected. Is that where we're going? That was what the tasking was asking. Who are they? They write, we are you, you are us. We are all everything. Are they our future selves? That's my question. But specifically, who are you? The response he gets, you're gardeners. It's bigger, more reaching than we can imagine. The scale, the years, the space. It has its own momentum. Daz's notes here at the end. Uh, wider. They are. They don't feel bad toward whoever they are. They don't feel bad towards us. They feel like parents. We just don't feel ready or capable to understand the uh, enormity or scale. And imagine we uh, and and wager we put in. I can't read that. We are too egotistic about about ourselves now. It's a process taking time. And the dad writes, be patient. Doesn't feel condescending, agnostic, kind of, uh, kind of neutrality. Life is a grand experiment. We are the experiment going through processes, refinement and changes. He writes, amazing. Um, the value of that, the weight of that, is it what the data among our viewers is suggesting across all of them. That we are going through something that can seem scary, and maybe is scary. And I'm not saying this is good, I'm not saying this is bad, I'm saying I don't know, and I'm saying that we are being evolved without our knowledge of it. And again, from a place of ignorance, sometimes that information makes me want to rebel. Then I try to step outside of myself and say, you know, as someone who's cared for animals, there's times that I've done things to my pets that they have been afraid of, that have been for their own benefit. And they didn't have a choice in the matter. And I didn't have the capability to sit down and explain to them why I'm taking my dog to the vet. But it needed to be done. Is that what we're dealing with here? Or are we dealing with something that's using us to get food, much like we factory farm animals? We do have that data there. We simply just don't know. But what it sounds like, based on the data, is that the Roswell technology was recovered and it's being used to influence our evolution and possibly change us into something else or merge us with something else, I would think, in looking at this tech. It's definitely altering our consciousness in some way, shape, or form. Now, is this directed to the, connected to the hybrid program, the hybridization? I can't say for sure, 
But as I was going through this, I got drawn into the Sarah Connor Chronicles in, um, you know, the Terminator story. It's a show that was on Fox. It's now up on Hulu. I've been loving it. I love the Terminator story. Um, so maybe this is all in my imagination, but as I'm having this data that I'm going through, the timing of falling into this show is just, again, a coincidence suspect. I don't know, but this show, you're constantly watching an AI, a machine, a Terminator, try to learn to be human, try to better blend in because the machines are infiltrators. But at the same time, this machine is helping the quote resistance, right? And I'm reading this book, Walking Among Us, which is about hybrids who uh, are being trained to do basic, simple things. And it really makes me think of a machine, like the woman's describing how she teaches them to put on their socks. Like you lift your foot up and you put it across your knee and you put your sock on. You don't bend forward to put your sock on. Like simple things that she's trying to teach them how to dress, what goes in a fridge, and the questions that they ask. They don't understand body language and when do you smile and what's a relationship and how do you know if you're a friend or a coworker? All these things that a machine that I think require some level of human emotion to really understand or experience in physical reality to really understand that these hybrid children don't have. And it really, I see similarities in the the artistic interpretation of how a, a, a cybernetic organism in a show like Terminator would learn to integrate in a human society is very similar to what I'm hearing the description of these hybrids going through, according to the, the book by, by Dr. Jacobs, talking about these people trying to teach hybrids how to function in society. So I, I wonder, is, is that what's happening here in our society? Now, I want to look at some feedback. I don't even know if I would call this feedback, but some co maybe corroborating information here um, about what's going on in the AI world right now. Okay, so uh, here we go. Bloomberg, Instacart bets on robots to shrink ranks of 500,000 gig shoppers. So again, we've got we've just got big companies that are investing in the development of AI. I'm not going to go through the whole article. You can read it in the show notes. But again, it's showing that how AI is, is coming up and taking over uh, and integrating in our society in ways that we haven't thought of in a while. Now, our little Terminator spin. This is June 1st, 2021. This is from Popular Mechanics. For the first time, drones autonomously attacked humans. This is a turning point. Drone experts have long dreaded this moment. So you've got drones now that are weaponized, that are autonomously attacking humans. And I'll have this article up for you to read. But here we just some highlights here. Libyan forces reportedly used Cargo 2 drones to autonomously seek out and attack human targets. It's the first recorded case of using a self-hunting drone against people. Drone experts say this extremely dangerous development could be dangerous to people far beyond the traditional battlefield. Okay, so we've got we've got the Terminators out there already. All right, live science. Humans might be making genetic evolution obsolete. Humans now evolve faster than ever, and it's not because of genes. At the mercy of natural selection since the dawn of life, our ancestors adapted, mated, and died, passing on tiny genetic mutations that eventually made humans what we are today. But evolution isn't bound strictly to genes anymore, a new study suggests. Instead, human culture may be driving evolution faster than genetic mutations can work. 
In the conception, evolution no longer requires genetic mutations that confer a survival advantage being passed on and becoming widespread. Instead, learned behaviors passed on through culture are the mutations that provide survival advantages. This so-called cultural evolution may now shape humanity's fate more strongly than natural selection, the researchers argue. When a virus attacks a species, it typically becomes immune to the virus through genetic evolution. The study co-author Zach Wood, a postdoctoral research in the School of Biology and Ecology at the University of Maine, told Life Science, since evolution works slowly, as those who are more susceptible die off and only those who survive pass on their genes. Okay, but nowadays humans mostly don't need to adapt to such threats genetically. Instead, we adapt to develop vaccines and other medical interventions, which are the results of one person's work, but rather many people building on the accumulated mutations of cultural knowledge. By developing vaccines, humans' culture can improve its collective immune system. All right, so it basically is talking about our advancements in science and technology that's changing evolution. I just share that as an interesting thought because as technology evolves, is that also causing humanity to evolve? All right, here we go again. This comes to us from Bloomberg, Technology and Ideas. To reach Mars, the human body may need some updates. A long space flight can be perilous for Earthlings. Scientists are working on some far-out solutions. If humans ever go on to Mars, we'll need engineers to design new rockets and other hardware. We'll also need scientists who can alter our genes. In a provocative new book, Dr. Christopher E. Mason of Wheel Cornell Medical argues exactly that. All right, so again, we're talking, our top scientists are talking about genetically altering our bodies and changing our bodies. Why wouldn't an AI or an ET do that for us as well? Okay, came across another article from the New York Times. Scientists drove mice to bond by zapping their brains with light. And the article talks about using uh, electrodes implanted in the brain to zap certain parts of light that influenced the behavior in the mice and caused them to bond. Curious, huh? Implants in the mind from one higher intelligence to a lower one to alter their behavior. Coming from NBCNews.com, device taps brainwaves to help paralyzed man communicate. In recent years, with mind-controlled prosthetics have allowed paralyzed people to shake hands or take a drink using a robotic arm. Okay, so again, it talks about here some of the technology linking the mind or the brain to control prosthetic limbs and to communicate in, in other ways, shapes, or forms. We are already doing this here. Is this a result of the uh, the Roswell integrated circuit? Is this what, what came out of the Roswell crash? Okay, here's another one. Experimental brain implant lets man with paralysis turns his turn his thoughts into words. Okay, it's the same same story. This one's from NPR as well. All right, interesting uh, interesting stuff here. I want to get in and share something from a top neuroscientist. I want to share some clips from what he was talking about as well with what the military is doing. This presentation scared the hell out of me for a while. I came across this presentation right when I first launched this remote viewing project. Um, the viewers weren't even done their sessions yet, and I was going through this data, and this is fascinating. And I'm only going to share a small portion of this um, with you, but what this what this guy tells us, uh, Dr. Uh, James Giordano, I believe is his name. He's out of Georgetown University. He's a credible guy. Look him up. I'll have the links to this, this presentation in the, in the uh, data notes that I'm going to share with you as well. 
but he's talking about the leading brain science and he's getting into basically reading and writing into the brain that we're already working on that and developing it. Now, I can't find the piece where he talks about this. And I don't know if it's him or another guy. I got to do some digging again. But I, I recently listened to somebody, if it wasn't him, of equal credibility saying that there was a DARPA grant out there and that grant was working on some kind of hive mind technology, linking the minds of multiple people. I think there were 500 people that signed up for the study. It was a huge grant. Uh, I forget how much money. It was a big grant. Uh, and he, and what he explained was, you know, what they're giving up is their autonomy, but they're going to be able to collectively solve problems faster. Now, I believe Edwards QAnon data talked about something like that, a society like that. In addition, I look at remote viewing and when I have multiple viewers working a target, we'll see what's called the division of work and each viewer will bring back a different portion of the target, different data, which sounds similar to how some of these hive minds work uh, in theory, I guess, how different, so many have, let's say you have 10 brains connected, every brain will be working on a different part of the problem, but the whole problem will be solved collectively in much shorter time than if one person was working on it by himself with just one mind. So is that what we're seeing? Is that what we're dealing with here? Um, let's see. I want to play this clip here from James Giordano. I'll, it, it, it's from, uh, I think he was speaking, this is from the Modern War Institute on YouTube. He was te- speaking, I think, to West Point. Um, this was in 2018. It's a very credible guy, and what he's saying is absolutely incredible. Um, this, this is around the 17 minute and 20 second mark. I'll leave it for you to listen to. The things we can also do is transcranial neuromodulation, the idea of going through the skull to modulate the node and network activity of the brain, to optimize the performance of key individuals in certain tasks and performances that are relatively to the missional space. And we can also do that against hostile or perhaps belligerent others. We can go further to implant certain brain-machine interfaces. These are many of the DARPA programs that you may hear of now, probably the one that is most most notorious in a very good sense, is something called the N3 program, which is the non-invasive neurosurgical neuromodulation program being run by their program manager, Dr. Al Mundi. The idea here is to put minimal-sized electrodes in a network within a brain through only minimal intervention to be able to read and write into the brain function in real time, remotely. The United States is not alone in such efforts. And then, of course, you also have the things that are a little bit more traditional. If we- okay. Read and write into the brain remotely with an implant in the brain. Read and write into the brain. Doesn't get more mind control than that, doesn't it? Talk about the surveillance state. Okay. That technology is being worked on. I would suspect that they have it right now. Okay. How widespread is it? I don't know. But again, let's look at abduction accounts what do multiple abductees report having some kind of an implant are we dealing with this advanced society does it stem from the roswell crash the integrated circuit that has now evolved for us putting our own chips in our own minds that who knows maybe eventually will be hacked into by this advanced ai that seeded this technology for us here in the first place and then it's going to take over again edwards data talked about this signal that goes out and alters the consciousness of all of humanity now you have some of the more spiritual speakers out there talking about coming into the fifth wave or the fifth age and this new 
new energy that's going to come through. Is it one and the same? Is this when everybody uplinks to this new universe, this new consciousness, this new collective? Is it good for us? Is it bad for us? I honestly don't know. But what I feel that I'm exploring right now is that the Roswell crash happened for the purposes of giving us this technology to evolve it to a point where it then is going to, I'll say, integrate with our own minds to influence our behavior. Are we going to be replaced by the hybrids? Are we going to merge with the hybrids and have our species collectively changed or transformed? Is this nefarious? Is this beneficial? Is this just the next step in the evolutionary process by our gardeners? I, I don't I don't know. In looking at the way I find information to connect this crazy story, I compare it to you know, or I question if it's a similar process to someone like Gene Roddenberry writing Star Trek, not that I'm of his caliber or quality, but is it possible that we all get these ideas in our heads for a reason, for somewhere else? That's how I felt as an author with especially my last two books in the I Am Human series, that it was a, a, akin to a download of information because I just get these thoughts and I think, that sounds weird. That's There's no way that's possible. And I start looking it up because why? I have an integration with things like Google and there, lo and behold, I find the very things that are in my head. So I wonder, is there something else at play here? I don't know. But in looking at that idea, what I find curious, Roswell crash happened in 1947. Integrated Circuit, I think, came out sometime around 1956. We have somebody by the name of Jack Finney. Okay. Well, I'm going to read, this is just a Wikipedia background on him real quick. Walter Braden Jack Finney, born Jack Finney, October 2nd, 1911 to November 14th, 1995, was an American author. His best known works are science fiction and thrillers, including The Body Snatchers and Time Again. The former, The Body Snatchers, was the basis for the 1956 film Invasion of the Body Snatchers and its remake. I know it's a weird, loose connection out there that I can't verify right now. I don't have the ability to verify it. But I have to wonder the timing of it between the Roswell crash and the development of this integrated circuit that's leading us to where we're at technologically and the release of a movie called The Invasion of the... or called The Body Snatchers, which is about a higher intelligence that comes down to the planet, takes over people's bodies, and takes over the planet at the timing of looking at the Sarah Connor chronicles that I've been watching about machine learning and looking at, I know guys, I'm, I'm quoting fiction now. It's weird. But, and looking at the work of Dr. Jacobson or Dr. Jacobs for the hybrid program doing what possibly taking over society. There's some weird data points in here. They may even count, may not even count as data points. But again, that's why I'm doing the podcast separately from the actual presentation of data, which you can find on YouTube, where we review all the sessions for this project, the Roswell Integrated Circuit. I needed to get this information out of me, out of my own head, and get it out there so I can move on to something else. I found this is an efficient method for me to do that. Am I crazy? Listen, listen, there's some days that I think that I am. Am I, did I miss the target? 
maybe. What do you think? Or are we really looking at the, is it an infiltration? I don't know. Is it an integration? Is it a takeover? I, I mean, it, w- w- think about a great deception. Okay. Think about a great distraction. Hollywood is seeding us with this idea that aliens, if aliens were to ever make contact, it'd be like an Independence Day hostile takeover, or there'd be something for us to fight. So we're so focused on, oh my gosh, the aliens are going to come down from above when we may be missing the fact that we are allowing the mechanism for our takeover to be implanted into our bodies. We're giving them the data they need by inter- through interacting with things like social media to understand how the mind works even better. And we're willingly accepting this technology as the takeover force is being trained by us to seamlessly merge into our society with invisibility. Therefore, we would never even see it coming. No hostile takeover, just a gradual replacement. I know that sounds dark, and I'm not trying to be dark. And again, maybe I've lost my mind here, my friends. It's been a while, but with all of that information in mind, I think we saw themes here of the power of our minds and the power of our perception. It's something to be desired, I believe. Can we harness that to influence the outcome of this? I don't know that we can stop this from happening, but do we have the power to choose positive, negative, somewhere in between? And I I, want to leave you with this because I've been doing a lot of soul searching over the past few weeks. I've been struggling over the past COVID. I mean, oh my gosh, the last year has been, it's been really hard, which is why you haven't heard from me. You know, I'm a special education teacher and the year, you know, my students just required so much. It was just such a challenging year. But um, so I've missed all of you and I want to get that out there. I've missed getting behind the mic and just communicating with you. Um, So I thank you if you're still with me and still listening. But I've been thinking about this and, you know, I have this desire to solve these mysteries and to know and to learn and to share it with all of you. But at the end of the day, does it matter and is it necessary that everybody know this stuff? I don't think we need to, quote, wake everybody up. And here's why. I look at somebody like Tony Robbins. I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins and the work that he does. He doesn't talk about all of this stuff, but that man is thriving. And not only that, he's passing that happiness, those life-changing positive moments on to, to millions of people around the world. He is having that positive impact and he's manifesting that change in the world, positive change. I can sit here in my office all day long and talk about the scary things and what it means and aliens are here. Wow, great. And maybe at best that's entertaining. What are we doing with that information? What are we doing with that knowledge? Well, let's go out and make the best of the life that we have. We can sit and and argue and speculate all day long about how scary things are, or we can study it because it's interesting and then go out and live a meaningful life and spread joy and happiness and support others in need. And I think that's really the key 
to maintaining and saving our humanity. I think the more we give into the fear and the mindset that we need to fight something, the more we are creating our own demise. But when we make the choice, the conscious choice, to accept that, hey, this is happening and this can become empowering for me, and I'm going to go out and make the most of what I've got with what I've got, then I think we win. Let me know your thoughts, friends. Uh, It's been my pleasure, my honor to work on this project. Thank you to all of our viewers who participated in this as well. Again, you can see their full sessions up uh, at sixcentsmedia.net and on YouTube. I'll have the full debrief with uh, with our viewers as well. Big shout out to Rick as well. I didn't get his data to go through it. He uh, he submitted some sessions kind of late, but he uh, also reported a feeling of being blocked during that session. I don't want to forget to acknowledge him on this as well. Um, you know, to, to Coral, to Anita to Naeem, to Darby, and to Daz. Thank you so much for all the sessions that you put into this one. It was uh, an absolutely incredible project. To my critics out there, again, with my tasking, I'm okay if you're critical. Um, Please just be kind in your criticism. I'm learning on this journey as well. Was it telepathic overlay? Or was it something else? I mean, were we tapping into data here? You know, I, I, I get it. There's there's questions to be had, which is why remote viewing data, I want to give that disclaimer, should be used with corroborating data and evidence. I tried to present you with some of that as well for you to review. Does it prove what I think it might be pointing to? I'll leave that for you to decide. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of The Seeker Podcast where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world, I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep an open mind. And let your intuition be your guide. Thank you. It becomes the bottom. You put in the teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow, how it can crash. Be water, my friend. Be water, my friend. Water, my friend, my friend.